Hi, Simone. How are you? It's such a pleasure to have you on Built by Boss. Thank you. I'm super excited about this today. I've been looking forward to this all week. I'm so happy that you're here because I have so many questions for everyone that is going through some type of housing challenge during COVID, um, whether it's their business or their home. And I know you are a celebrity attorney and you've worked with amazing brands and things like that, but you are for the people by the people. So I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I always admire that there's a quote from the late Johnny Cochran, who of course was OJ's attorney. And he says, you know, cause people said, you know, how do you feel about representing a murderer? And he says, well, you got to represent the OJs to represent the no Jays. Ah, so yeah. yes. So it's like, you take the victories from one. And, and I love all of my clients. There's not a single client where I feel like, oh, I shouldn't have taken that case. Um, so yes, but it's, it's definitely fulfilling when you're able to also use your law degree to help those who just simply couldn't afford access to a great attorney otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is truly the case right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We have people that are losing their homes. Um, there's a rent moratorium. A lot of people don't know what a rent moratorium is. A rent moratorium simply means that your rent is still due, but if you cannot pay for it, then um, they cannot evict you, but it, it still means that if you want to be able to stay in that apartment, you must have all of the outstanding rent payments and any penalties that you've been charged. Those two, you have to have them ready and paid um, by the time of your court date hearing for eviction, or you will be evicted. So that's the challenge that so many people have. It's like, mm -hmm. well, yes, you've been able to stay this long rent free, mm -hmm. but if you don't have that balloon payment, Mm -hmm. then you will be evicted. And um, one of the things that I advise so many people who are going through that mm -hmm. is to see if you can negotiate with your landlord some type of deal where you will agree to leave in exchange for him not putting it on your credit Got in it. some form or fashion. And some cities, like I'm in the city of Houston, Houston has a program where if the landlord applies and the tenant applies, uh, the city of Houston will provide, uh, it's either the city or the county will provide one to two months rent, depending on those situations. So that's super, super important. You know, it's such a catch 22 because the reason that you're not paying the rent is because you don't have the money. And so if you're in that situation, um, what steps can they take today? If somebody's just finding out about it right now. So you definitely want to stay in communication with your landlord. You know, if the landlord likes you, he's going to be a lot more willing to work with you. So one option could be in speaking with the landlord saying, hey, I understand that I owe these number of uh, months in rent. Mm -hmm. If I could, you know, if I could provide you with one of the months. So let's say you, you haven't paid for six of the months. Mm -hmm. If you could provide him with one or some type of payment plan for a few of the months in exchange, would he accept that in exchange for not filing and seeking a judgment against you? Now, it, they may or may not, but also one tactic that has actually been helpful for um, some people who have called me for advice mm -hmm. is um, if the landlord has a mortgage on that property, he may not realize that he can reach out to his mortgage company and seek mortgage forbearance himself. Oh, so, okay. Cause largely the weights on the landlords because the mortgage weight is on them. So one thing that can also be proposed is saying, Hey, I know I'm the tenant. 
you know, in all due respect, I, you know, I heard a podcast or I heard that you landlord may be able to get um, uh, a waiver or deferment on your mortgage. And then if so, I'm just asking if you could um, defer my rent as well. Um, and that's, that's something that it's, it's on a, a case by case scenario. But mm. if you don't ask, you'll never have that option. If you don't ask, you won't know. So now how does that apply if you have a business? Because most business owners, they're renting as well. So how does that differ? So it differs because um, uh, commercial uh, leases do not have the same protections as residential. So that person in that commercial lease likely just does not have this option. So, but one thing you have to be very, very careful with in a commercial lease is almost all of them have a lockout option, which says if that rent is due on the fifth and you have not paid it on the sixth, that landlord on the sixth can lock you out of your business and then have a lien on all of the possessions left in there. So if you've got flat screen TVs, this, that, and the third, they can actually keep those things, sell them to pay off some of your back rent and still charge you for lawyer's fees, et cetera. So if you're a commercial business um, who has a lease, it's most significant that you reach out to your landlord and see if you can work out a payment plan or deferment with them. If they're not budging on that and you know you're not going to be able to make the rent for that month, make sure that you take out anything of value. Go ahead. You got to take it out because if not, mm, that okay. landlord's going to seize it. Oh, my God. I tell you, who knew? Because that is, you know, that is the crux of the matter right now when we look at all of the issues around um, certain cities, you know, the, the shutdowns and things like that. And small business owners are like, okay, if I close, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to get an income? So it's just, I, I just feel so bad because, you know, even if you did sell everything or get everything out of there, you still don't have your business. You've lost your livelihood. Yeah, which so many families have had for generations or, you know, a family created it so that they could pass on wealth and pass on job opportunities, you know, to their children. And so actually the PPP um, program with the SBA, that was created as a form of unemployment assistance, so to speak, uh, for small business owners. Basically, it was to keep and, and hold them afloat until they were able, you know, to recover from this pandemic. Now, we all know about the different challenges with the PPP program, including here in Houston, there was a bank that I was using that was doing really well with processing them. And then all of a sudden they got overwhelmed and they would take your application, but come to find out they never forwarded it to the SBA. Mm. So I have tons of clients that learned that they did everything right. They filed all their paperwork, they submitted it, but some of these banks simply did not forward along their stuff. So they are waiting to see what this new COVID relief is going to look like. Now we're crossing our fingers, mm -hmm. but part of the reason for the delay is because we are at a stalemate by we, I mean, the democratic party and the Republican party mm -hmm. are at a stalemate over one simple provision. Are you familiar with that? I am. I am. But you tell us. <laughs> oh, so yeah, it's a, it's a provision that basically they want to protect businesses who knowingly and intentionally expose their employees to COVID. And the Democrats are saying, absolutely not. Because the way the law currently works is it's working just fine, which is each lawsuit must be evaluated on a case by case scenario. So let's say, for example, if your job knows that, you know, if your job is a job where you've got to use, let's say you're a butcher and you've got to use this meat cutter. 
-hmm. but they know that this meat cutter is faulty and it's in the past year has cut off two people's hands. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. are not immune. If they keep using it, what happens? They can get sued for that, right? Well, in this instance, the COVID law would say, if you know that your staff, you've already had two, three people die of COVID, you know that um, you're not getting your staff PPE, uh, protective equipment and so forth. Even if they contract COVID and die, there's nothing that can be done. They don't get workers comp, which any other person, if you fall and, and die on the job, you would get workers comp. They've already paid into workers comp. Um, so there's no reason that protections shouldn't lie here. But what they want is this is to protect those big entities like the, the chicken farms in North Dakota mm -hmm. and Idaho mm -hmm. who were forcing people to work in close quarters, no protective equipment, and who wow. and where there were huge breakouts at their plant. They want to give these people immunity. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. There's nothing reasonable with that. And the Republican argument is that some businesses won't want to reopen if they feel like they're going to be um, exposed to liability. That's a lie. That is a whole lie. <laughs> How about you wear a mask? How about that? I mean, well, if we so, started with that. Exactly. And this is a capitalistic society. There is no business in America who's going to say, nah, I don't want to reopen. We're making millions, but I don't want to reopen because we may get a lawsuit here and there. Right. No, because you know what? They have insurance for that. Mm -hmm. There are insurance policies that cover all types of employment issues. Also, that is what workers' compensation is for. And on the job injury or sickness. So it's really BS. It's really, really BS. And it's disingenuous. I think really what it was is they didn't want to give, uh, uh, arguably, they didn't want to give Democrats a victory prior to the election out of concern that it may increase the likelihood of Biden. Well, we got Biden now, so let's move on along. Right, let's right. take care of the people. Let's save some lives because right. the, the, the issue is that we're not going to get the, the, the vaccine in time for everyone. So even though, you know, it's on the trucks and it's going all over the country, the, the average everyday person, it's going to be a while until they can get it. And then we're not talking about the fact that so many people are afraid to take it. I mean, we haven't even touched on that. And also, and, and also, so with, with all of these different layers, what would make more sense rather than having a stalemate is working on some type of relief for these corporations where um, if you purchase PPE or these types of things, perhaps there may be grants to help small businesses purchase these things so that their staff can get back to work. Um, because the, the, the tax subsidies, the tax forgiveness later down the line, that doesn't help the small businesses today. They need help today. And what would have been the, the most astute thing to do would have been for them to continue awarding the $600 a week um, additional uh, unemployment assistance. Because what many don't realize is that 600 was really for small business unemployed and trade um, and what they call gig workers. So like Uber workers or makeup artists, or people who work gigs, um, those people obviously don't pay into unemployment because of the structure of those jobs, hairdressers, this and that. Mm -hmm. But if you would have continued to give them the 600, they could protect themselves, pay their rent, mm -hmm. pay their mortgages. But instead, we have the stalemate because they have this um, ridiculous assumption that with that 600, people weren't going back to work because it was just more convenient to collect, you know, unemployment. That's, that's not that simply a lot wasn't of money, money, you know? It's not. It's not, especially 
Because in many states, for example, the state of Florida, unemployment in the state of Florida is $250 a week, max. Whether you made $100,000 prior to being unemployed or, or whether you made like 40 or 50, 250 bucks. So you need that extra 600 just to be able to have a living wage. Absolutely. Just to be able to, you know, if, especially if you have children or, you know, you have both a mortgage and a car. Oh, goodness. You know? <laughs> Don't have a car, right? <laughs> Don't have a car. How dare you? <laughs> yes. But one of the other things that people can continue to do as well is mortgages, particularly if you have a government-backed mortgage, they are extending relief until the end of the year. And if you haven't already asked for it, definitely you should get it. So, um, you know, or request it rather. And, and it's on a case by case scenario. But same thing with credit cards, same thing with auto payments, you know, if you have a lease or if your car is financed. But it's best to just go ahead and get those relief, particularly where they're willing to add months to the back end of your loan agreement. Now, yes. it's different if you have a balloon payment. You certainly want to be aware of the concerns of a balloon payment because you don't want to add fees on fees. But where they are, you know, adding. So, for example, I have a 30 year mortgage and they said, well, we're going to have to add six more months. See? And I said, you go right ahead. I was like, I'll deal with that. You can add a year months. if you like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I plan to have been sold this and or paid it off long before. So we're in agreement there. It's going to take people a long time to recover at this rate. And, you know, as women, I think about um, the mortgage is just one of the things that we're worried about sometimes. And, you know, I saw one case that you are working on now with the young woman um, where someone was coming into her apartment and that kind of led to the whole idea of her being evicted. But it got me to thinking about, you know. Yes, you're talking about Hannah Viverette who was doing a TikTok. Yeah. And basically live on her TikTok, this intruder scaled her second floor balcony and entered her apartment. He was her stalker, who was her neighbor, lived in the apartment and was a former maintenance man. So yes, absolutely. So what happens? I mean, most people are not dealing with, you know, cases as extreme as that, but we are locked in the house with, you know, spouses or partners that maybe the relationship was rocky before COVID, but now, you know, everything is just something that like ticks you off. And, and some women are finding themselves in, you know, domestic violence situations. Is there anything okay. that you can share with us in terms of what women can do um, in, this, in this moment in time if they feel like they're faced with something like that? Absolutely. So one of the most important things to do for a woman in a domestic violence situation is to make sure that you report it. If it's not in writing, it never happens under the eyes of the law. Okay. And once you've done that, you can then take that police report to your leasing office. And the leasing office is then able to expedite his um, eviction. So even wow. if the two of you are on the lease, they can evict him without evicting you. And that is because where there is violence on the premises, the apartment complex has an obligation to immediately protect the rest of the residents. And those residents include whoever's cohabitating with that person. And it also includes anyone else that could be in the complex. Because if that person then um, comes back and does something to you, mm -hmm. um, that apartment complex can be on the hook. So if you're going through this, the first thing that's essential is to document it with the police. You want, you have to file a police report. 
And then from there, you want to seek a peace bond by getting a peace bond, which is a protective order. By getting a protective order, that person is no longer allowed to reside with you. It also allows your apartment complex or your landlord to expedite an eviction. Otherwise, they have to wait. It could be 30 days. It just varies mm -hmm. by state. Also, if you want to let that person stay and you want to leave, you can do that too. You oh. can use that to get your name off the lease, which actually may be safer. Yeah. It may be safer for you to leave that premises and go stay elsewhere. Because obviously, if you stay there, they'll know where you're living. Right. Um, but also, it's very important for women to know, even if it's not a domestic violence situation. You know, currently, we're around the holidays. During the holidays, there are a lot of break-ins into homes uh, because people burglarize for gifts, presents, money. So... If your apartment has ever been burglarized, that alone is actually grounds to immediately terminate your lease and leave without any penalty. And you, wow. don't, you don't ask. Did yes, not know that's, that. That's actually, that's how I initially began to assist Hannah Viveret, um, who's doing the TikTok, is because I was just letting her know, hey, this is immediate grounds, whether they're your stalker, whether anything, if your place has just been broken into, because what's to say or who's to say they're not going to fix your door and do it once more. So that's whether you're a man or a woman. So again, what you have to do is file a police report. Once you've done that, then you have to demand in writing. And each state has its own state laws regarding how much notice you must give. But uh, you should then demand in writing and say, you know, I was broken into on this day. This is my written notice um, that I will be moving out. Attached is my police report. I, I fear for my health and my safety. And then you can, you can also request to say, I'm requesting that you give me two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, four weeks to both move out my possessions and find a new place. And that as of the date of that break in, you do not charge me any additional rent. Now, they won't all give it to you, mm -hmm. but many will because they don't want the negative publicity that comes with having a break in, you know, on the premises. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it will make it a lot easier for you to move to a different complex. And you can also ask to, if you like your landlord or your management company, you can ask them, hey, you can say, hey, I don't feel comfortable here. Do you have any other properties on other premises where we can just transfer my lease? I've, I've, I've had clients have that done all the time. Although most likely, um, once they're not happy with a company or their management, they just kind of want to get out of there and go elsewhere. So the, but the most important thing is to understand you have options. You just have to give yourself a moment to grieve, to breathe you know, to, to deal with your shock and then stay calm. Uh, you can only process things when you're calm. Simone, we are saving homes and lives today. <laughs> I love Absolutely. It. I love concrete information. You know what I mean? Yes. When you can figure out this is what you need to do because sometimes you know, you get, you're immobilized and you don't know what to do. And, and then the people around you don't know. So if you can get specific information, where to go, who to talk to, oh my God, it makes so much of a difference when you're in a situation yes. like that. Wow. And with my clients, I usually tell them, I say, you know, uh, we're meeting virtually for a lot of clients. So I say, okay, I need you to have a pen and a paper. And sometimes they say, I'm in my car, I'm here or there. I said, well, let's reschedule. Cause I'm going to give you pull over. Yeah. And I'm or pull over. But I need you to write things down because I'm going to give you things in small increments. I don't want to overwhelm you. Mm -hmm. So I may just give you a step one, two, and three. Because if I give you too much, you may be like me. I get I'm very ADD. If I give me too much, I might do nothing. 
Um, but also <laughs> when you do that one, two, and three, you're likely going to have obstacles that can make some adjustments. But I like to, you have to do small um, snippets at a time. And when I was in law school, I used to get so aggravated because in law school, they very much hide the ball. They don't give you concrete anything. They tell you, read a case and you're going to have a final at the end of the semester. So I got sick of that after first semester. I went to my professor. I said, listen here. <laughs> Somebody had decided I was smart enough where y'all are paying me to come here. So, but I don't know nothing. Okay. I've been here for one whole semester. I was a first year law. So I said, I've been a, one whole semester. This is allegedly an Ivy League school. I don't know how to divorce anybody. I don't know how to get somebody right. in or out of jail. And I need to take these talents and skills home to my family because I got people in jail and people right. who need divorces. Somewhere, so, Professor, we don't have to come up with jokes. <laughs> yes. Yes. They actually voted me like, they said I was like class clown, most witty because I was very, I was, I was like, look, now some of you people, maybe three generations of attorneys and like to just read law books for the fun of it. But if I can't divorce my cousin from my cousin's boyfriend from his wife, then what good am I to the family? What, what good is it? I love Which it. Which is his own story. <laughs> that, there it is. So Simone, you, you're, you're definitely not all work and no play. So you right. are also um, on a dating show on OWN, right? Ready to yes. love. Correct. T tell me about that. What, what, is, what has that experience been like for you? It was really fun. Well, I had my days, but overall it was fun. Some days I wanted to punch the air or punch people, but of course I did not. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was overall, it was really fun. Basically the show is called Ready to Love on OWN. It features, it's about 20 black singles, 10 men, 10 women um, who are over the age of 30 and believe that we're ready for love. So the show has eliminations each week with the ultimate goal being that you get from 20 cast members down to six, which is three couples who are ready to love and after the show want to go on to develop their relationship in hopes of marriage. So yeah, I learned so much about myself. I, and that's and, you know what, you took the, the sentence out of my mouth because I produce reality shows. And oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, I have. And so, um, and it's always been interesting. Like I've done them when people have been in the same house or you know, all of that. And I always think about, you know, the experience you have when you're doing the show and then when you, when the show is over and you see it and, and going through the process, like what did you learn about yourself? Because I think ultimately, right, it's the takeaway. What did you learn? Absolutely. Uh, well, one of the things that I learned is that um, in my dating life, I need to ask for what I want and not just settle for what's given to me. Because if you don't articulate what you'd like, you'll never have the opportunity to get it. And I do that all the time in my work life. Like my mm -hmm. job is to, I literally write demand letters. But in my personal life, and that may be an, an element of exhaustion or maybe not wanting certain levels of rejection. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to men, sometimes I may just assume like, oh, he's not interested in me in this way or, um, or that, you know, oh, you don't want to be too forward or this and that. But what I learned is that there's a very delicate, dainty balance between just putting your interest out there with the guy and then letting him lead. Right. Um, I also just reconfirmed that I love leaders. I have to have a man who's a leader mm -hmm. and I trust myself even more. My intuition, honey, was spot on about <laughs> yeah. some of these brothers. Yeah. Spot yes. on. And so I realized I have to trust myself more, but I also have to forgive myself more. Mm. I'm such an overachiever. 
I put a lot of pressure on myself mm-hmm. and I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone makes their mistakes, right? But for me, I'm one of those people, I don't like making the same mistake more than once. I'm really hard on myself in that capacity. Um, so overall, I would say learning, realizing that to, um, I really need to ask for what I want, mm-hmm. trusting myself more, and it reaffirmed my intuition for myself. And most importantly, I realized that like one of my challenges in dating was that the men were picking me, but I wasn't picking them back. Ah, so I need you weren't choosing, you were being chosen. I was was being chosen. Yeah. But the thing is when you're being chosen by top quality men, you don't know it. You know, I'm like, you know, top law school grads running hedge funds and, you know, this cutie patootie with no student loans and no kids in a great home, you know, but it wasn't, I was realizing later down the line, like they would pursue me. So vigilantly and so consistently that you know eventually I'd be like well I don't really think it's gonna work but all right you know I'm hungry today or I'm bored or, you know <laughs> right. whatever you know whatever result like what or a lot of times it was like I work so much let me just go on a date with this one sure mm-hmm. yeah. only to realize like I'm getting short-term happiness not long-term fulfillment yes and all this time that I'm spending with you then I and I know you're not the one when there's somebody out here praying for me yeah I need to yeah. attend to him and you're choosing each other you know, instead right. of, it's like, because it's, it's wonderful. It feels good when you're being pursued, but then once you really connect with that person and you realize, yeah, but what do they really know about me? Because they're, they're right. pursuing something external as opposed to really taking the time to get to know you. And after the pursuit is over, you realize you don't really know each other because it was so much about the heat. Yes. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Especially I get fearful if a guy is too interested in me too fast, not because I'm a, not a great girl. I love me. I think I'm awesome. Oh yeah. That I also reaffirmed that. I was like, Oh girl, you're awesome. I'm, I, I really <laughs> you gotta like, do that at least once a day. <laughs> you do. You do. Cause I was like, I even like the way that I handle conflict and um, growth and things like that. But as it relates to um, dating and guys, I realized that, yeah, they, they can present one person um, to you. I'm very transparent. Like, this is what I'm looking for. So they would pretend to be those people. Mm-hmm. And then it, um, they were basically regurgitating the answers to the test. My mama says, you can't keep giving them the answers to the test. Ah, they're so, mirroring you. It's like, you yes. say this, like, I like that too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember one guy was like, oh, where'd you go to school? And I said, Cornell. He was like, oh, I went to Columbia. Total lie. Total lie. I was like, that's how I should have known as a sociopath. Like, how are you lying about something that's Googleable, sir? That's weird. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this. As a result of doing that show, what advice would you give to women um, that are looking for love or wanting to get out and date again? And, you know, they're trying to figure out how to find themselves and how to find the the, the one at the same time, what, what advice would you give after having gone through such an experience? Absolutely. That? So I would say first, you got to be open. A lot of the times when my girlfriends are like, I don't know why I can't find anyone. And it's because they have these criteria and they're not open to just making friends. Start by just making friends, go to a bar or a restaurant, do something you like doing, whatever that might be for me. It's travel. I, my last three to four boyfriends, I met traveling. Um, and so do what you already like doing because it's more likely you'll run into someone with similar interests. And then when you're there, don't have any preconceived notions. 
Because oftentimes what happens is like, I might be on the beach and I might meet like a big fat, ugly guy, right? But he's nice and he's smart and he's kind. <laughs> then I say to myself, well, I don't like this big fat, ugly one, but I bet I'm gonna like his friends, right? right? Because smart guys hang out together. You're not yeah. gonna see a bunch of like doctors hanging out with like a hobo. So I would, you know, I, I'm kind, I'm nice, I'm friends with him because that big fat guy, he could probably teach me a lot of things, you know, I'd probably go out to eat and have a great time. Um, but then I meet his friend and I usually shift through those and I can pick anyone that I like. It's usually like real handsome. So I just say that to say, don't have a direct route. Right. I call it, I don't even call it dating. I call it friend making. Yeah. Um, and it makes you glow when you make friends. It yeah. just makes you glow. And then just be open to the fact that don't take everything personally. Um, everyone comes into a situation with sometimes preconceived notions of this, that, or the third. Don't take it all personally and just get to know that person for who they are and decide how you vibe with them from there based on intuition. Love it. Love it. Okay. I have two more questions for you. Um, this first question I always ask all the boss ladies, because we only have 24 hours in a day. What are three things that you do every day that you feel really contributes to your success? Oh, absolutely. One comma mama. I call her, email her. Any, usually if I have any super major decisions, I do that. Mm -hmm. I pray. Mm -hmm. And for me, my third would be self-reflection. I take time for self-reflection, whether it's on a deal that I've completed or uh, a relationship that I have with someone where maybe I said something that may have hurt their feelings or this or that, but I take some time for self-reflection and I either audibly journal because sometimes I don't have time to write. Mm -hmm. So I either audibly journal or I physically journal. Last question. You are on the Built by a Boss podcast. What is your definition, Simone, of a boss? Oh, a boss is someone who is confident, intelligent, self-aware, kind, and a leader. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been, oh my God, I'm so excited about all the information we're going to share, first of all. And thank I want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you because you're amazing. So where can they find you? Absolutely. Follow me on Instagram at at Simone Redwine. I spell Simone with a Y. S-Y-M-O-N-E. You can also find me on Twitter at girl, is that legal? And I'd love to interact <laughs> with you. Yeah. Oh, and lastly, I just joined, um, uh, I partnered with an app called or a website called Meet Candy and that's C-A-N-D-I. So if you ever want to do a video chat with me one-on-one, -on -one, we can talk about whatever, law, fun, dating, love, nothing, whatever. Um, you can do that um, as well it, for hardly nothing because I like making friends and it's fun. And you can just go to their website, meet candy, and then it's com forward slash Simone Redwine. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this.